other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everyone. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. It's Friday. We made it. TGIF. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Frank. You know what that means in the 1 a.m. hour. That means I will be poised to take your questions on any subject. Just dial in at 800-848-WABC. That's 800-848-9222. And it should be something you're genuinely curious about. Whoever comes up with the best question, we will give you some sort of a prize. Hey, I want to give a shout-out to everybody that is participating in the Tunnel to Towers Tower Climb here in uh, New York City this Sunday. I am a big supporter of Tunnel to Towers. I am a regular donor to Tunnel to Towers. I've raised thousands of dollars in funds for Tunnel to Towers. And to me, the work they do is just wonderful. Providing mortgage-free homes for veterans and first responders in need. So what they're doing this Sunday, starting, I think, pretty early, around 5 a.m., is they have a vertical run in One World Trade Center. And it's more than a quarter mile, 104 stories up. No thank you. I will not be participating in that. But to those of you that are participating in that, I admire you. And you are a better person than I am. It's a tremendous feat of athleticism, and it's a great point of charity. So I will be making a donation to the uh, people participating in this 104-story Tunnel to Towers vertical run. If you want to as well, you can go to T2T.org. I mean, you think about it, 2,225 stairs, all to raise critical awareness and funds for veterans and first responders in need. I can't think of a more worthy cause than that. Let's hear some questions. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Everyone, this is the other side of midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. We've been talking a lot about a few issues over the years that we've been on this program. One is the problem with childhood obesity in this country. The other is the problem with children not interacting with other children, not through a computer screen, but in person and learning how to play and talk and negotiate and work with other people their age. And if you don't learn that, I believe that can lead to some very poor habits later in life, which is why we recently did a a segment on the importance of recess in schools. Recess should not be an option. Recess should not be something that teachers can take away if the class is misbehaving. Recess should be something for both psychological and physical reasons that children get to engage in every single day. That's why I was very pleased at this bill that was introduced by New York State Senator James Skoufis to make make recess mandatory at all New York public schools. He views it as important to children's social and physical development. So do I. 
And he told Spectrum News, I was quite frankly startled to see that it's only really about 10 states in the country that will require recess, and New York is not one of them. It is startling that New York is not one of the states requiring recess. This is absolutely essential. Physical education should be essential, and so should recess. I hope this bill passes the state Senate before the session is over. I hope the Assembly passes this as well, and I hope the governor signs this into law. We'll see where this goes, but in my view, uh, this is exactly the kind of thing we need to see more of in the 40 states where recess is not mandatory. I realize people may think this is frivolous, that it's just playtime. I think it might be just playtime, but I think it's important. It's important to a child's development, and it's important to a child's physical education. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Well, it looks like at least someone on the Trump legal team is paying attention to this radio station because you might remember back in March, I filed a complaint with the Commission on Judicial Conduct in New York State along with the presiding judge in the criminal part in the Manhattan State Supreme Court and the chief judge of the New York Court of Appeals. Well, now... President Trump citing some of the same language and some of the same facts that was in my letter that I filed in March has filed a motion seeking to remove the same judge that I was complaining about, Juan Mershon, from presiding over his forthcoming criminal case. If this is all new to you, if you haven't followed this, essentially what Judge Mershon did is while he was a sitting judge, in total violation of the rules, he made a campaign contribution to President Biden. Now, the reason this is a big deal is twofold. One, obviously you have the issue of conflict of interest because he's supposedly going to be presiding over a trial with the person that Biden ran against. So how could he be objective? Even if he is objective, he won't be perceived of as being objective. But even more so than that, even if he gave a campaign contribution to someone that had nothing to do with uh, Trump or Biden, judges are not allowed to do that. Sitting judges are not allowed to engage in political activity. Bottom line, any judge worth his salt knows that. It's right there in the Code on Judicial Conduct in the section that I cited for them. So we'll see where this goes. I certainly hope this judge is wise enough to recuse himself. But if he doesn't, I hope that the chief judge makes the decision to remove him from this particular case. I realize these are paltry contributions. Doesn't matter. Political activity is political activity. I don't care if it was one penny. Still totally inappropriate and not the kind of thing a judge should be doing in any case. Certainly not in this one. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. According to the publication The City, the New York City Department of Correction has abruptly decided to stop notifying the media when an incarcerated person dies and it will no longer do so in the future. This is 
crazy. The Department of Corrections says that the de Blasio-era practice of notifying the press when someone dies in a detention facility is over. Advocacy groups and a federal monitor say it's part of a broader effort to hide wrongdoing. Well, it certainly looks that way to me. They don't want to tell the press what's going on because they don't want the press and the public asking questions about why so many people are dying incarcerated by the city of New York. They don't want people asking questions about the circumstances of these deaths. Well, look, if they're dying under the care of the city of New York, we ought to know about it. Did they die because of a fight? Did they die because they weren't properly nourished? Did they die because of a drug overdose? Did they die because they killed themselves? The public should know this. We're paying for these jails. We're paying for the Department of Correction. We have every right to know when an inmate dies. Now, an autopsy confirmed that a 31-year-old mentally ill man incarcerated at Rikers Island died of a skull fracture. Now, this would seem to contradict what top correction officials had claimed. They claimed he had a heart attack or suffered from headaches. That is absolutely unacceptable, and it's exactly why the public and the press need to be informed when someone dies when they're in the custody of the city of New York. Because if we don't know about it, then they can be free to lie to whomever they want, including this person's family. This person clearly died of a skull fracture, as confirmed by an autopsy. The question then becomes, why did he have a skull fracture? Let's get to that question. Let's not stop giving the public information. Beam me up. To be continued.